All right. Hey, what's up, Summit? Everybody doing good? Good? That was pitiful. Five of you are doing good. The rest of you are awful. Let's try it one more time. Everybody doing good? Man, you better be doing good. Did you see all the bacon outside? My goodness. Listen, there's something out there called caramel bacon brownies, and we will eat them in heaven. My gosh, they're amazing. All right. Hey, before I preach, I've got a very special guest coming up right now. Uh, This past week, uh, some of our teenagers went to Cleveland, Ohio on a mission trip called Power Plant. Power Plant was a mission trip to help plant churches uh, all across North America. And our group uh, joined other uh, student ministries in Cleveland to help help start some churches there. And so Allie Combs is going to come up right now. And uh, Allie's going to come to this microphone right here. Okay, so get that ready, guys. Allie's going to come to this microphone right here, and she's going to share about what, uh, what they did this week and just how God used it in her life. So I want you to just get absolutely fired up for Allie. Give it up for her right now as she comes and shares with us. Here you go. You can go right here. Hi, my name's Allie. I'm 13 years old and a member of Summit's youth group, Storm. Last Saturday, we headed to Cleveland, Ohio to spread the gospel on a mission trip. Personally, going into it, I would have never thought out of all the trips I went on that a trip to the slums of Cleveland, Ohio would affect me the most. But it did. The church we worked with was called FaithWorks Community Church, which happened to be an all-black church. This was clearly something I had never experienced, but walking in, I could tell by the atmosphere that it was awesome. Everyone in the room was loving, and they were very hospitable, which was something I really appreciated. I also want to mention that I, had, that I had the opportunity to make some new lifelong friends that I'll never forget. After we went in and met with the church, we went out and hit the community with the gospel. We handed out life books and went through them with people. In the stores, on the neighborhood, and on the streets. I actually got the opportunity to talk to a Jehovah Witness, Muslim, and people that were just really lost. And I'll be honest, going out there, I was really scared. I had never done anything like that. But once I started, I realized that the hardest part was getting started. As soon as I started speaking, the words started coming out, and I knew how to share the gospel. And I'll be honest with you, it was terrifying. But once I got out of my comfort zone, I was okay. But if there's one thing I really want to express, is that if you ever get the opportunity to pray for someone or share the gospel... Just go ahead and do it. Because once you start speaking, God starts speaking through you, and you're not alone anymore. It's really not scary once you just start. Thank you. Man, that was awesome. Man. Man, Allie, you should have just dropped the mic, walked off stage. That was, sweet. That was killer, man. Did you, man, she totally just slammed a ton of us. Did you hear that? You get an opportunity to pray with somebody, share the gospel, just do it. And then all of a sudden, God will work. God will give you the words to say. Don't be a chicken. That's what Allie said. Man, that was awesome. Allie's preaching here next Sunday. That's great. I love that. Hey, I want to pray for us really quick. Jesus, I just thank you so much for what Allie just shared with us, God. What an awesome testimony, just this idea we've been talking about of of being on mission. And Father, I I thank you for just that story, God, that when we step out of our comfort zone, the person we're going to meet is you. And God, you're going to be right there. You've been waiting there the entire time for us to just step out, do the hard thing, try something, and to stick our neck out and live by faith. And when we do that, God, you are always there. And so Father, I pray that right now you would just take this word 
And God, apply it to our lives in a way that only you can, Jesus. Just do something so special, uh, God, in this time. And I pray that you accomplish things that will last forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I want to show you guys a picture. As soon as you know what this place is, I want you to scream it out, okay? Check this out right here. Look at this picture. You may know where that is. Where is that? Rupp Arena. That's right. A lot of you knew that's the largest church in the state of Kentucky. That's right. Thousands of people go there to worship uh, all the time. And how many of you have been to Rupp Arena before? Raise your hand. Awesome, awesome. Look, every single person in the room, I think, just raised their hand. How many of you went to a UK basketball game before? Raise your hand. Okay, a lot of people uh, raising their hands. Rupp Arena holds 23,500 people. 23,500 people. And think about this. When UK plays there, people will drive from all over the state to watch 10 guys play basketball. On the court at any time, there's just 10 people doing all the work. Thousands of people come. Thousands of people will drive hours. And thousands of people sit down. And 10 guys are sweating. 10 guys are doing the work. I mean, I'm pretty sure, you correct me if I'm wrong, I- I'm pretty sure there's never been a point, uh, maybe it has happened to you, where Coach Cal just says, you know what, time's out, time out, and then he turns to the crowd and says, you know what, give me that guy. I don't think that guy has, got, has played basketball in 20 years, but come on down, buddy. I don't think that's ever happened, right? I mean, I mean 23,500 people and 10 guys are doing all the work. And did you know that's a lot like church? Uh, did you know that, that today, hundreds of people, this church and every church, hundreds of people will drive, come to a church, come to a church building, a, a church service, hundreds of people will come, and a few people are doing some things. Happens every week. Hundreds of people come, and a few people are up on stage singing. Hundreds of people come, and look, I think there's just uh, one dude up here right now. Hundreds of people come, and, and maybe a couple of people serving kids, maybe a couple of people serving the lobby, a couple of people are making sure the sound runs and things like that. Hundreds of people come, and a few people might do something on that day. And let me tell you why that's a big deal. And listen, if you're here today and you serve at Summit, man, we love you guys. And I want to thank every person that serves in kids. Give up our kids volunteers. Give it up for them. Give it up for them. I want to thank every person that serves in guest services. Give it up for our guest service volunteers. Man, I want to thank every person that runs the lights and the sounds is up there in the, in, the, in the tech booth right now. Give it up for them. I want to thank every person that's in the worship team. Give it up for them. That's awesome. I want to thank every person that works on social media and does our website and everything you see online all the time. Give it up for them. I want to thank every single person that when you write a prayer request, somebody calls you, writes you, they respond. Give it up for our prayer team. I love it. I want to thank everybody that writes my sermons. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Sorry, sorry. That's, I got a little carried away. Um, but, but man, if you serve, man, thank God for you. Thank God for what you do and thank God for how you serve. But listen, hundreds of people come to church and a lot of people kind of watch and maybe they're not putting in. And let me tell you why that's a big deal. That's a big deal because there is no other organization in the world that can make the claim that the person who started the company is God. Right? That there isn't another organization in the world where they can point back and find their origin. The person who started it is the creator of the universe, God himself. I mean, Jesus, Jesus did not say, Jesus did not say that he will build apple and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Right? That's not what Jesus said. Jesus did say, I will build my what? Does anybody know? Church and the gates of hell will not prevail 
against it. The church is the only organization where the mission for the organization comes from God himself. We saw it in the video. Go and make disciples. Go and make a difference. And so, so listen, it's a big deal it's a big deal that you're here today, and maybe you're here and you're, you're not a Christian, you don't even believe in God, or you just got questions, you're trying to figure this whole thing out. Here's one thing that we all have in common. What we all have in common today is that we all want to live a life that matters, don't we? At the end of the day, we don't want to get to the end of our life, look back and realize that we really didn't live for something bigger than ourselves. And I just want to suggest to you today that there is nothing bigger than the church of Jesus Christ. Okay, there is nothing bigger that you can jump into, be a part of. In fact, every single Sunday when we gather together, God is inviting us to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And listen, I know that the church is messy. I know that the church hurts a lot of people. But listen, at the end of the day, Jesus loves the church. And as messy and as imperfect as she is, because we are all messy and imperfect, isn't that right? As messy and imperfect as it is, there is nothing like Jesus's Church, And so here's what I want to do today. Today, for the next couple of minutes, I just want us to see what can happen when people come together for something that matters. That's all I want us to talk about today. If, if I could just talk about one idea today, I just want, to, I want us to see what can happen when a group of people come together for something that matters. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to open it up on your phone or the copy you got with you. I want you to open up to Nehemiah chapter 3. Now, last week we started this series called Hashtag My Mission, and we're in the book of Nehemiah. In fact, if you've got the Summer app downloaded on your phone that Dana did a great job talking about, if you click on devotions, there's actually every single day, there's a Nehemiah reading plan. Helps you read a little bit. We've got some devotions in there for you. Every single day there's new content. Make sure to check it out. But in the story of Nehemiah, Nehemiah is just a dude working for the king. God grips Nehemiah's heart, gives him a burden to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. The walls around Jerusalem were destroyed by Babylon when they invaded the city of Jerusalem. They invaded, destroyed the city, took a lot of people captive. And God gives Nehemiah this burden to rebuild those walls because as long as the walls were down, the city of Jerusalem, the people, they were open to, to people coming in and invading. And listen, while those walls, those walls were the primary means of security. Everybody in the surrounding countries knew Jerusalem were the people that worshiped the one true God. And if the walls were down, Jerusalem look, looked weak. And subsequently, God looked weak. So God gives Nehemiah this burden to rebuild the walls. And so last week in Nehemiah 1 and 2, we saw Nehemiah pray and plan. We saw him go before the king. The king gives Nehemiah permission to go to Jerusalem and rebuild these walls. But how many people know that when there's something, so when something matters, it takes more than one person to pull it off? Do you know that? When, when, when something matters, when there's something significant maybe that God's put on your heart, something that you just see, man, somebody's got to fix this, somebody's got to do something. You might be the person that starts it, but make no mistake about it, you won't be able to do it on your own. You need people with you. And so what happens in Nehemiah chapter 3 is Nehemiah shares the vision, and Nehemiah shares the vision for rebuilding the walls. The people of Jerusalem say, all right, we're in. And in Nehemiah 3, Nehemiah organizes the people of Jerusalem to rebuild those walls. And here's what you need to know. Nehemiah 3 is one of those passages that, that you, uh, I, well, let me say it this way. Nehemiah 3 is one of those places that if you are on your own reading the Bible, odds are you'd skip it and move on to Nehemiah 4. 
Because how many of you, how many of you, when you get to a, when you're reading the Bible and you get to a place where it's a long list of names, you know, like a genealogy or, or just some long list of names, you're reading it and the entire time you're like, God, why did you put this in? And you skip it, you know, you look for something more spiritual. Nehemiah 3 is 32 verses of people that you and I don't know, that you and I do not look at these people as your favorite Bible character. This is a chapter where if you were reading it, you'd skip it. I promise y'all, this is not the most riveting piece of Scripture. And we are going to read every verse. Happy Father's Day. We're going to read every verse, and here's what I, I promise. We're about to read 32, 32 verses of, I don't even know if I'm going to say these names right, but I'm going to fake it and act real confident so you're like, man, he knows what he's saying, don't he? Yeah, he does. I don't. I don't. I, I could butcher it. Jesus will tell me in heaven, all right? But here's what we're going to, we're going to read all 32 verses of these people that we don't know, and, and when, when I get to the end of verse 32, I want you to clap real loud. Say amen real loud, like, woo! Like, like celebrate Nehemiah 3. I, I bet there's nobody in the history of Christianity that's get, gotten fired up over Nehemiah 3. Let's be those people. All right? So as soon as verse 32 ends, don't even wait. Whoa! All right, here we go. Here we go. Nehemiah chapter 3. Then Elishab, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hananel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. Next to them, Zakur, the son of Emery, built. The sons of Hasena built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its boat, and its bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hekaz, repaired. And next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah. Son of Meshezebel repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Benah, repaired. And next to them, the Tekoites repaired. But their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. Jerks. Joada, the son of Pasea, and Meshulam, the son of Beshoda, repaired the gate of Yeshena. That's real hard to say right there. I think I just pulled something. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them repaired Melatia, the Gibeonite, and Jaden, the Maranathite. I almost said moron. The men of Gibeon and of Mitzpah, the seat of the governor of the province beyond the river. Next to them, Uziel, the son of Hariah, goldsmiths, repaired. Next to them, Hananai, Nanai, Nanai. One of the perfumers repaired, and they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to them, Raphael, the ninja turtle, the son of Hur, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired. Next to them, Jediah, the son of Haramoth, repaired opposite his house. And next to him, Hatush. If you're soon-to-be parents looking for names, I recommend all these. The son of Hashbani repaired. Malchizia, the son of Harim, and Hashub, the son of Pehath-Moab, repaired another section in the Tower of the Ovens. Next to him, Shalom, the son of Halahesh, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired. He and his daughters, Hanun, and the inhabitants of Zenoa, repaired the valley gate. They rebuilt it, set its bars, its, its bolts, and its bars, doors, I said a minute ago, sorry. And repaired a thousand cubits of the wall. As far as the dung gate, Malchizia, the son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth Hakiram, repaired the dung gate. He rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And Shalom, the son of Kol Hazi, ruler of the district of Mitzpah, repaired the fountain gate. He rebuilt it and covered it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. He built the wall of the pool of Shelah, of the king's garden, as far as the stairs that go down from the city of David. After him, Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, ruler of half the district of Beth Zor, repaired to a point opposite. 
opposite the tombs of David, as far as the artificial pool, and as far as the house of the mighty men. After him, the Levites repaired, Rehum, the son of Benai. Next to him, Hashabiah, sure, ruler of half the district of Kilah, repaired his district. After him, their brothers repaired, Bavai, the son of Hinadad, ruler of half the district of Kilah. Next to him, Ezer, the son of Jeshua, ruler of Mitzpah, repaired another section opposite the ascent to the armory at the buttress. After him, Baruch, the son of Zabai, repaired another section from the buttress to the door of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. After him, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hekaz, repaired another section from the door of the house of Eliashib to the end of the house of Eliashib. After him, the priest, the men of the surrounding area, repaired. After them, Benjamin and Hashub, repaired opposite their house. After them, Azariah, the son of Messiah, son of Ananiah, repaired beside his own house. After him, Benuiah, the son of Hinnadad, repaired another section from the house of Azariah to the buttress and to the corner. Palal, the son of Uzziah, repaired opposite the buttress and the tower, protecting from the upper house of the king at the, at the court of the guard. After him, Padiah, the son of Perosh. I think I ate some of that last night. And the temple servants living in Ophel, repaired to a point opposite the water gate on the east in the projecting tower. After him, the Tekoites repaired another section opposite the great projecting tower as far as the wall of Ophel. After, above the horse gate, the priests repaired each one opposite his own house. After them, Zadok, the son of Amir, repaired opposite his own house. After him, Shemaiah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate, repaired. After him, Ananiah, the son of Shelemiah and Hanun, the sixth son of Zelaph, repaired another section. After him, Meshulam, the son of Barakai, repaired opposite his chamber. After him, Melchizedek, one of the goldsmiths, repaired as far as the house of the temple servants and of the merchants, opposite the muster gate and to the upper chamber of the corner. Here it is, get ready. And between the upper chamber of the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants repaired. There we go. Awesome. Awesome. Why is that in the Bible? Why is that in the Bible? Nobody has any of that stuff memorized, right? That's not your favorite verses. Why is that in there? I'll tell you why. Because when a group of people come together to do something that matters, nobody can pull it off on their own. It always takes a group of people. And God gave Nehemiah to, to rebuild the wall, but Nehemiah couldn't rebuild the wall on his own. Nehemiah needed more people. And I want to say, Summit, God has not called us to build a wall. Summit, God has called us to transform the world, to, to see people meet Jesus, to see addiction broken and marriages put back together, to see people find hope, to see darkness pushed back. And I want to say, one person can't do that, but all of us could by the power of the Holy Spirit. We could do that. And so here's what I want to do. Today, I want to give us three very practical ways that you and I can change the world. I mean, sometimes we talk about changing the world. Doesn't that, doesn't that just sound exhausting? Oh, my goodness, there's no way that's so big. You know what? Changing the world is easier than you think. So here's what I want to do. If you're taking notes on the app, you're writing them down, I want to give us three very practical ways that you and I can change the world. Here's three ways that we can change the world. We can change the world, number one, when everybody says, I'm in. Everybody say, I'm in. When everybody says, I'm in, we can change the world. The walls of Jerusalem were broken down for decades, and because Nehemiah goes into the town of Jerusalem, casts this vision. In fact, listen to what the, listen to what the people of Jerusalem say in chapter 2, verse 18. They, Nehemiah shares the vision. We need to rebuild this wall. Here's what they say. Let us rise up and build. Let us rise up and build. I'm in, Nehemiah. I'm in with this vision. And listen, walls that were torn down for decades because Nehemiah and the people came together to do something that matters, they rebuilt the walls surrounding Jerusalem in 52 days. 
In 52 days, these walls are going to be completely rebuilt. 52 days. What would happen if everybody in the church said, I'm in? And when I say church, I mean the church. What would happen if every single person all over the world who goes to a church today who says, you know what, I'm a Jesus follower, what would happen if every single Jesus follower that goes to a church today says, you know what, I'm in. God, here's my life. God, here's my money. Here's my time. Here's my thoughts. Here's my words. God, here's my life. I don't know what you're going to do with it, but God, I'm in. Imagine how the world would be changed if the church said, I'm in. Imagine what would happen to poverty in the world. Imagine what would happen to families in the world. Imagine how much hope there would be in the world. Imagine how many people would meet Jesus. Now, see, I, I'm saying this, and I know that some of you got somewhere in the crowd today, there's a negative Nancy. You know what negative Nancy? Raise their hand and just stare at them real mean. Straight, right? Some of you are really staring at people right now. Stop, 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 stop. Some of you are like, negative Nancy. You know, negative Nancys are the people, they're just, they're just negative. Nothing can happen, right? So you're listening to this, and you're thinking, oh, well, that'll never happen, because that's how you talk. They'll never happen. I've never seen it happen. It'll never happen. Okay, okay, okay. Well, let's just talk to this church then. What would happen if everybody in Summit, what would happen if everybody that calls Summit their church would say, you know what, I'm in. Think of what would happen to addiction in eastern Kentucky if everybody just in this church said, I'm in. Hello? Think of what would happen. Think of how many people would be clothed and fed if everybody just in this church said, you know what, I'm in. Huh? Anybody? Right? Think of how many people would meet Jesus if the whole church, if summit, we all said, you know what, God, I am in. Because listen to me, did you know that's God's vision for the church? God's vision for the church is not that one, pe- one person or a couple of people do it all. God's, vo- God's vision is that we would all say, I'm in. Here, let me show it to you in case you don't believe me. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. He gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip thee. What's the next word? Who are saints? Saints are you and me if we're followers of Jesus. Saints, not, we're not talking about the Pope here. All right? We're not talking about, about varsity level Christianity and you feel like you're on the JV. No, if you are a Jesus follower, you are a saint. You are. You are. Doesn't matter if you feel it. That's what God says. What God says, God gets the last word over your life if God says that you're a saint. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. To equip the saints. God's vision is that we would all do ministry. God's vision is that we would all say, God, I'm in. Here's the whole thing. And listen, when we do that, if that were to happen, here's this. Watch this verse. 416. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Watch. When each part is working properly, makes the body what? Oh, that was awful. Makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Listen, if we all said today, I'm in, the world would be changed. Eastern Kentucky would be different if the church of Jesus Christ said, you know what, I'm not perfect, and I feel like I got a lot of inconsistencies in my life, but Jesus, you gave all for me, so here is all that I am. I'm telling you the world will be different, but here's what we, here's what we do, here's what we do. We make excuses, don't we? We make excuses. Oh, I'm too busy. Oh I, oh, I can't do that. Or we, we make excuses for why we can't say I'm in. Or here's some. I, I see a lot of people spiritualize why they, can't, why they can't say I'm in. 
Oh, Mark, I've heard sermons like this before, and I know that God wants to use my life. And yeah, I've heard that God's given me some spiritual gifts. Mark, let me pray about it first. <laughs> listen, listen, write this down. You don't have to pray about something that God clearly says for you to do. Right? If you're a follower of Jesus and you've never been baptized, you don't need to pray, Jesus, do you want me to be baptized? He's already told you. It's in the Bible. Jesus, do you want to use my life? He's already said he's given you gifts. He wants to use your life. Well, why isn't he using my life? You need to step up and say, God, I'm in. When everybody says I'm in, we'll change the world. Here's the second way we can change the world. We can change the world when everybody plays their part. When everybody plays their part. I was putting this uh, message together a couple of weeks ago, and I was just imagining all of these people that came together to rebuild the wall, people that you don't know. Nobody has ever taken a verse from the, that I've seen. Nobody has ever taken a verse from Nehemiah 3 and then put a really pretty sunset behind it and then put it on Instagram and then, and then used, used a really cool filter to bring some appropriate shadow and then a really cool hashtag, Nehemiah 3. You've never done that. You, you've never done that, right? I, I just I wonder, you know, when I was putting this together, I just imagined a bunch of these guys on a lunch break, you know? They're, they're, rebuilt, they're building the wall, they take a lunch break, and I just imagine a group of guys getting together and saying, man, isn't this awesome? We are making a difference, bro. We are changing the world. We are rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. Hey, man, what part of the wall are you working on? And the dude next to him says, man, I'm working on the east gate, bro. It's going to be amazing. That east gate is going to blow your ever-loving mind, man. What, what part are you working on? And then another guy says, man, I'm working on this tower over here, and it's going to be amazing. And then there's a guy at the table, and his name's Malkesia. Malkesia, what part of the wall are you working on? Let's read verse 14. Nehemiah 3, verse 14. Malkesia, the son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth Hakiram, repaired the dung gate. <laughs> he rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. Malkesia, what part of the wall are you building, man? Man, I'm, I'm building the dung gate. What, man, I didn't hear you. What'd you say? It's so funny. In my kitchen, what'd you, what'd you say? I didn't hear you. I'm, I'm building the dung gate. Hey, man, you got to speak up, man. You got to speak up. I'm building the poop gate. Get you back off. Building the poop gate. <laughs> the, the dung gate, do you know what, you know, you know what the, the dung gate was in the, in the walls of Jerusalem? That was where people took their trash. And I don't know how Malkesia felt about it, but here's what I know. His name is in the word of God, people. Say, what's this guy doing? He is in the Bible. Why? Because he played his part. See, so many times we can't play our part because we get jealous of the part other people are playing. I can't raise my kids the way God wants me to raise my kids because I see you put on Facebook how great you're raising your kids. i got to compete with you. Oh, I can't play my part because my part's not as glamorous as your part. People don't put me on Twitter. People don't tag me on Facebook about, about what I'm doing. They do it all the time for what you're doing. But I can't play my part. And, and so many times we want people to know our names. We want people, we want a 
people to see us in the spotlight. But here's what I want to tell you today. There, are, there is no insignificant role in the kingdom of God. If you are a Jesus follower and your heart says, Jesus, I don't care what it is, I will play my part. I want to tell you the world might not know your name, but Jesus Christ knows your name. And that is enough. That is enough. So play your part. 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul describes the church as a body. And just like a body, your body and my body, it's got different parts. Different members and all of those parts do different things. And Paul's point is simply this. The church has different parts and every part matters. I want to say today, you matter. I'm talking to you. Maybe you've never heard that before. You matter. You were made by God in his image. You matter. You're a Jesus follower. He saved you and he's put the spirit of God in your life. You matter. He's given you spiritual gifts so that you can change the world. You matter. Would you look at somebody next to you and say to them, you matter. Do it. You matter. You matter. Look at me right, look at me. Listen, listen. Look at me. You are not too young to make a difference for Jesus Christ. Well, I'm too young. No, you're not. No, you're not. All you need is the Holy Spirit, period. I'm too old. No, you're not. You are not too old to make a difference for Jesus Christ. Well, I need to learn the Bible more. Didn't you hear what Allie said a minute ago? No, you step out by faith. Yes, we need to know the Word of God. But listen, if you wait till you know enough, I promise you will never do or say anything. You won't. You won't. You can take class after class and know the Bible more than anybody else. But if you don't speak up, step out by faith and let God use you, I am telling you, he won't. So step out. Play your part. We can change the world when everybody plays their part. Last one, number three, and then we're done. We'll change the world when everybody says, I'm in. When everybody plays their part. And we will change the world when everybody knows what's at stake. See, the people in Nehemiah 3 in in Jerusalem, they knew what's at stake. If we don't rebuild these walls, we're left wide open. Anybody can come in. But more importantly, God looks weak. we got to build these walls. There's a lot at stake. Sometimes I wonder if, if we forget what's at stake every week. Sometimes I wonder if we forget what's at stake, if we forget why we're here. So I just want to be real clear today about what's at stake. Look at this verse, Acts chapter 4, verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. What is that name? It is the name of Jesus Christ. There is no other name by which anybody can be saved than the name of Jesus. Let me be real clear here, Summit. I want you to hear this. We are not about the business of trying to make bad people good. We are not about the business of trying to make immoral people moral. We're not here to help people make better decisions. That's fine, that's great, but that's not our mission. Listen, we're not here because we want people to go to church. Now, we're pro-church, right? I mean, we are one. And we want people to come, but that's not the goal. That's not what's at stake. What's at stake is that eternity is real, And we will live forever in one of two places, and our only hope in eternity is Jesus Christ, period. 
No other name, no other way, no other back door. The only way to know God is Jesus Christ. So what's at stake? People are at stake. Men and women are at stake. Children are at stake. Teenagers are at stake. And so I just want to close today by asking you a very simple question. What is stopping you from saying, I'm in? What's stopping you from saying, I'm in? See, Mark, one of the things that's stopping me from saying, I'm in, is I don't know what I need to do to be in. I I don't know how to really get connected to this church. Or Mark, how do I say I'm in? What do I need to do? Listen, if that's where you're at, I'll give you one answer. You want to say I'm in, and maybe you're not doing this. If you are, thank God for you. But listen, if you're Mark, I I want to be in. God is speaking to me. How do I do what you're talking about? Here it is: serve, serve. Period. Why serve? Here's why: because Jesus served people, and we are never more like Jesus than when we serve people. So serve. See, God's given every single, excuse me, follower of Jesus spiritual gifts. And God wants us to use those gifts to make a difference. Well, how can I know the gifts that God's given me? I'll give you a real spiritual answer. Just start trying stuff. Just start trying stuff. Just start serving all over the place. And here's what you'll discover. Eventually, you'll find where you fit in and the gifts that God has given you. Maybe it's serving in a place that's not specifically in this church. Maybe God's given you a burden and a passion to do something at school. Maybe you're a teacher and God gives you a burden and a passion for a group of kids that other people are just overlooking. I don't know what it is, but just start trying stuff. Go to God and say, God, here's my life. Here's my hands. Here's my time. Here's everything. God, I'm in. But, start, but serve. When you walked in today, you got a connection card. On the back of that connect card, there's a box that says, I want to serve. If you have never checked that box before, check that box and just start trying stuff. Maybe you start serving in kids. Maybe you try to serve in kids and you serve in kids one time and you realize, oh my gosh, I hate kids. I hate kids. I never want to be around a kid. I would prefer that God never makes another one. I hate them. Well, if that's you, bro, then let's get you out of there before you do something crazy. Maybe you try guest services, and you serve in guest services for a while, and people are walking through the front door, and you're smiling. It's good to see you today. What's up? Good weather something. You're giving out connection cards, and you realize, oh, my gosh, not only do I hate kids, I hate people. I just hate them. I just hate them. They all get on my nerves. Okay, well, that's great. Well, let's let you do social media. We'll put you in the back of a corner with your phone. You'll be on Instagram all day long. But there is a place for you in the kingdom of God, in the body of Christ. There is no place where Jesus says Christianity is a spectator sport. What happens is we give our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit moves in, and all of a sudden he wakes up our hearts so that we say to God, God, I don't know what you're going to do with my life, but I am in. Don't you know today? Don't you know? I'm not doing this. Don't think, oh, well, so the whole sermon was about serving. This, this church must, must need volunteers. No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about at all. That's not what I'm talking about at all. Here's why I think you ought to do what I'm talking about. I think you ought to do what I'm talking about because I want for every person in this room right now, I want you to experience the joy of following Jesus. I do. I do. 
Listen, 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 listen. I need you to know I'm smoking what I'm selling, y'all. I'm one of those, I'm one of those sellers that uses what they sell. You know what I'm saying? So I, I know, I, man, I, I want you to know the joy of following Jesus, serving Jesus, and on the sidelines, you will miss a lot of that. So I am telling you right now, there is an invitation for you to, to say, God, I'm in. How can I do that? I'm gonna challenge you to serve. If you're not serving anywhere, you wanna get connected in this church, Check that box that says, I want to serve. Why? Because I want to experience the joy of following Jesus. You, want, you got questions first? Stick around for first step right after this and talk to me right over here. Go to the welcome table after church. But listen, maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. I want you to know where this starts Where this starts for you, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it starts with you going to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I need you. I need you to save me. I need you in my life because I want you to know today, it doesn't matter who you are or where you've been, Jesus saw you and knew that he could purchase your salvation and he said, I'm in. So he left heaven and he came for you and he died for you and three days later, he came back from the dead for you so that right now, just as you are, you could come to him and ask him to save you and he will. And listen, today, today, if you cry out to Jesus and ask him to save you, you will become a part of the family of God. You won't leave perfect, but you will leave different. So make that decision today. Would you pray with me? Would you pray with me right now? Let's pray. Jesus, right now, in your name, it's in your name, God, we come. And Father, I thank you that we get to be a part of making a difference. We get to be a part of changing the world. And God, the world might never know our name. The world might never write a book about anybody in this room, but you know every name. And God, that is the only thing that matters, that you know our name, that in Christ, we are yours. And so God, we want to say I'm in. God, I pray that right now you would grip every single heart in this room. And God, as we're in this series, I pray that people would begin to dream dreams and to have visions of God, the mission that you have for them, the calling that you have for them, where you want them to serve, at their school and where they work and where they live, God, right here in this church, that we would just look at you and say, I am in. I pray today we'd make that decision. I pray today we would say, God, here's my hands. Here's my mind. Here's my words. Here's my money and here's my time. God, here's my life. And I give it all to you because you gave all for me. In fact, right now, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, why don't you just make that commitment to God again right now? Maybe right now, just afresh and anew, why don't you just tell God, say, God, I want you to have all of me. You should have all of me right now, all of my heart, all of my mind, all my goals, all my future. I just want you to have all of me. And listen, if you can't pray that, I want to ask you what's stopping you today. What's stopping you? Because listen, whatever you're holding on to is not worth it. So just lay it down. Just lay it down right now. Maybe you're here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you're not a Christian but you want to be saved, I want to pray a prayer right now, and I just invite you to pray this prayer right there where you sit. You don't have to come to church for a year and keep the Ten Commandments and try to clean yourself off. No, 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 no. You come to Jesus just as you are today. If you want to be saved today, I'm going to pray a prayer. And right now, just pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. I give my life to you right now. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for saving me today. Help me to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name.
Amen. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, listen, if you just prayed that prayer, I'd love for you to raise your hand in just a moment so that I can see it and celebrate it with you. So I'm going to count to three, and as soon as I say three, just raise your hand high in the air to say, today I gave my life to Jesus Christ for the very first time. One, two, three. Raise your hand high right now so that I can see it and just celebrate that fact with you. Just raise your hand high if that's you. Today I'm giving my life to Jesus. Here's what I want us to do today. I want everybody to look at me right now. Just look at me and go ahead and grab your connection cards out. Go ahead and grab your connection card out. And on the back of that card, on the back of that card, you can write some prayer requests, things like that. But here's what I want to challenge you to look at on the back of that card. There is a place that says, I want more info about serving. I want to serve here. Maybe God's spoken to you today and God is saying, hey, you know what? You need to dive in. You've been sitting on the sidelines. You've been coming, man. That's awesome. That's great. I want you to take one step forward. So today, if that's you, I want you to check that box. I want to serve. I, I want to say, I'm in. I don't know where I want to serve at. I don't know. We can, we can help you with that. We'll contact you this week. But take that step. Check that box today. And check any box or anything on there that corresponds to the decision that you made today. Maybe the thing that God's telling you to do, you need to get baptized. Maybe today you did give your life to Jesus. Let us know on the back of the card. And in just a moment, there's going to be volunteers. Just drop those in the basket as you exit this morning. Father, let's pray one more time. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that, God, you call people that don't have it all together, people that struggle, people that have a hard time, but, God, people that you have saved, people that the Holy Spirit lives in. Father, the the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. So, God, there is power to make a difference. And, God, we want to lean into that. We want to be a part of that. We don't want to just be the church on Sunday. We want to be the church in the world. We want to be the church that loves and serves and makes a difference. So God, we want to say we're in. We're in. We want to play our part. There's too much at stake for us to just just kind of watch as everything goes by. God, we're in. That's our prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, church, listen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here today. You can drop those cards off on your way out. And I'd love to meet you today at First Step right up here. Thanks, guys. You're dismissed.